This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Get Goldfinger today. You know what I want. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, here to detail for you the Raptors' latest game, the 112-92 loss versus the Los Angeles Clippers, coming into Toronto with Kawhi Leonard in tow. As he came to collect his championship ring, collect some applause from the crowd, a bit of a standing ovation, see some video tributes, and then get after it and play the Raptors. A tough game for the Raptors, definitely, and an encouraging one for the Clippers. I'm sure the Raptors continue, I would say, a disappointing stretch of play. They've lost four of their last five. The only win coming against the lowly Bulls and barely even against them. Losses against the Rockets, the Heat, the Clippers, and the 76ers as well. Really tough schedule of teams, but it did seem like the Raptors, or maybe it's best to say that this stretch of games will maybe temper expectations of what the Raptors are, maybe what they will be. I'm not so sure. Every team has rough little stretches. The Raptors last year were 8-7 and in December, which isn't exactly great they were dealing with injuries at the time and then reintegrating players the same as now and the Clippers they're a damn good team and they really put the screws to the Raptors they had a really great defensive game plan for what the Raptors 
we're going to throw at them. With Fred Van Vliet out, the Raptors had fewer creators. The Clippers decided to stagnate that offense by putting Kawhi on Kyle Lowry and putting Paul George on Pascal Siakam, which really did end up stifling a lot of the Raptors' actions. They had to turn to tertiary creators to try and create something. And early on, they had quite a bit of success with that, using Gasol as the conduit for a five-out offense. And, you know, having guys like Powell and Ananobi find some soft spots in the back of the defense. Ananobi, in particular, had a really great opening of the game, both on offense and defense. He did a great job of blitzing, usually two men at a time, of Kawhi Leonard in the first quarter, getting the ball out of his hands. He only took two shots in the first quarter, Kawhi Leonard, that is. And OG on the other side, I think, took five shots in the first quarter, got some points up, and got the Raptors out on the right start, and was able to put a lot of pressure on the Clippers as a three-point shooter. And not only that, but he was able to get after it on the offensive glass. All around a really impressive performance in the first quarter, and got the Raptors out on the right foot. Gasol still with quite a bit of wizardry offensively and defensively. Big player in this game. Lowry, I thought, doing as best he could with Kawhi Leonard on him early on, just getting rid of the ball, letting Gasol, one of the other players, make do with, you know, lesser defensive matchups and try and take other players on because Kyle Lowry recognizing maybe it's not worth it for him to try and take Kawhi Leonard off the ball and that kind of stuff. So he gave the ball up. The Raptors had to make do, but they did so in the first quarter. They won the first quarter 32-27. to and I would say they were rewarded for their aggressive defense on the Clippers. It felt like a lot of the shots early on were being funneled to guys like Maurice Harkless. Later on in the game, when the Clippers were mixing and matching their starters, when Lou Williams started to be the guy who the ball was funneling to, that's where things started to get a little bit troublesome for the Raptors. But for the first quarter, specifically the Raptors, the ball wasn't too dangerous while it was on the move. They did allow some shots to go in. But the Raptors did, for the most part, a good job of stymieing the Clippers' stars. The second quarter was kind of a... It was a debacle for the Raptors in a lot of ways because not only did the defense seem to dry up for the Raptors, but as did the offense. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson got 4,005 minutes. His offensive rebounding was actually very important to what the Raptors were trying to do offensively. They needed as many possessions as possible because... Obviously, the Clippers have a very good defense. They were challenging the Raptors in a lot of ways. And his defense, he's really good as a outside defender. He's really good on the scramble and closing out. So the Raptors not having him in the back end of the defense to try and catch up on their doubles, on their blitzes, was a bit of a disaster. And anytime Marcus Gasol was off the floor in this one as well, I think could be qualified as a disaster for the Raptors in this one. The Clippers, they broke off an 18-4 run in the quarter. They really stretched the game out at that point, still putting Paul George on Pascal Siakam, still putting Kawhi on Kyle, and still having the same effect where they're really limiting the Raptors' movement up top, and to the point where the Raptors look kind of like a a college-level offense because the floor is smaller. In the NBA, it obviously isn't, but in college, the floor is smaller. It's a lot harder to find the lanes to drive into the teeth of the defense. The Raptors seemingly weren't finding those, and the only way they were getting into the paint was using Gasol coming up maybe to the the elbow and receiving a pass there, trying to do cut-ins behind him. But the Raptors having a lot of trouble penetrating, manipulating, moving this Clippers defense at all, and it was very, very difficult for a time for the Raptors to score 
At one point, I think the Raptors had five made shots in the quarter, but eight turnovers at one point with five minutes left, four minutes left, I believe, which is really terrible. It's not a good performance at all. Pascal Siakam kind of saw where the game was going and saw that he has a better matchup going against Paul George than Kyle does against Kawhi. So Siakam started to force the issue a little bit at the end of the second quarter, got some free throws, did get a nice little shimmy and a roll to the rim against Paul George, but it wasn't enough to keep pace with the Clippers offense and the Raptors still weren't getting enough breakdowns against the Clippers defense. And so the the second half ended 64 to 46, pretty bad. One highlight was definitely Terrence Davis's play. I thought he was good from the end of the first quarter into a bit of the second quarter. He's really hunting threes when he was playing with the better players on the Raptors, and I thought it was cool to see him knock down two big ones. And, you know, he's he's a great player on the scramble. Sometimes he's out of position, so the passing lanes are a bit more open when he's on the back end of the defense. But as far as scrambling, closing out, if he's not fouling the guy, which he wasn't doing too much in this game, he's, he's pretty good at that. He's a pretty good contest, and he didn't look so bad running the pick and roll either. And it's it's too bad that the Raptors, the rest of the bench unit, wasn't really there. Serge Ibaka had a pretty terrible game, and that's who Terrence Davis was playing with for most of the game. So it, it did a bit of suppress his performance that he was surrounded by guys who didn't really bring it in that way, which was too bad. But he was definitely a highlight of the first half, seeing him hit those shots in a fun game where the Raptors were leading at parts of the first quarter. It's big time for a guy like that, and you know he had the Doris Burke, Richard Jefferson singing his praises, which I think is a great thing for Terrence Davis, so just want to highlight that as well. The third quarter was definitely a better start for the Raptors. The contests, the closeouts, much higher quality to start things off. Obviously, Nurse was really pressing that issue at halftime, and even though the ball was starting to get funneled to Paul George, the Raptors, I thought, did a really good job of closing out forcing those guys into the middle of the defense. And this is where I think Marcus All, you can see it's reflected in his plus minus in this game. I believe he's the only player with a positive plus minus, but his work on the inside of the defense, he put on a masterclass defensively as far as rotations and help side. And the Raptors leaned so heavily on him in this one because the Raptors, they were way more aggressive closing out in the to start the second half, that third quarter. And that meant that there was so much pressure getting into the middle. But Marcus All was, oh, it's not too crazy, but transcendent. He was he was incredible de- defending at that point. And the Raptors, st- with that extra aggression, started to create a little bit of momentum and get more turnovers to fuel their offense. Guys like Siakam, Norm Powell were chipping in. Norm Powell especially because, as I stated before, Kawhi is on Kyle, Paul George is on Siakam. That means that it's up to Norm Powell at some point to start initiating the offense. That's what the Clippers wanted. That was obviously a big part of the Clippers' game plan is to funnel the ball into Powell's hands for him to be the creator, to funnel the ball away from Kyle, away from Pascal, and they succeeded in doing so. And Norm definitely, he scored the ball both in transition and in the half court. He had little bursts of scoring plays, but there mixed in with that was a lot of boneheaded plays as well. And that was on the Twitter timeline, I'll comment on this, that was probably the biggest difference, right, is there are some people saying, oh my god, Norm, what are you doing, you're playing so bad, 
and some people saying, Norm is the only person scoring out there. He's playing fantastic. And both things are true at the same time because Norm, A, did have great flashes of offense and being able to take advantage of the Clippers leaving him in an advantageous position to compensate for being able to defend Kyle and Pascal really well. And sometimes he did make them pay for it, but it seemed like on the other side, he wasn't making them pay for it enough relative to how much the Clippers were relying on that being the only place the Raptors could take advantage of them. And there were too many surefire opportunities that he didn't seem to capitalize on. And if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know I'm I like Norm a lot. I'm usually quite positive on him. So I don't mean to be too harsh, but I thought in this one, the point total wasn't completely, that wasn't exactly how well he played. He definitely did add a really great offensive punch to what the Raptors were doing. And it was necessary for the Raptors to even climb back into this game because the Clippers were funneling the ball that way and were making Powell beat them. He just didn't operate at a high enough clip to warrant the Clippers either A, changing their defensive matchup, or the Raptors coming back and beating them. But the Raptors, things fell apart in that quarter anyway. As soon as Gasol was out, the the back end of the defense, it just completely fell apart. The Clippers broke off a 10-0 run. They had a bit of zone on defense on the other side, and they completely stymied everything that the Raptors were trying to do. Everything fell apart towards the end of the quarter, and I think Nick Nurse recognized that as well. As he rolled out the Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Chris Boucher, Serge, Terrence Davis II, and McCaw lineup to start the fourth, which is a lineup from hell. <laughs> it seems like that is that is tough to expect to get back into the game with that lineup. Obviously, that wasn't what he was expecting. I think he was just trying things out. After that, and keep in mind the Raptors did not play well with that lineup in. The Clippers increased their lead, and then the Raptors after that... Nurse went to Siakam, Lowry, Boucher, Gasol, Ibaka. So a massive lineup with either Boucher at the two, Siakam at the two, or Gasol at the two based on how they play, right? I mean, who is the nominal two guard in that in that lineup, right? It doesn't seem like there's one. That's a massive lineup. A couple of fun things happened with that. Gasol still playing really well. But overall, the Raptors, they kind of they slumped away and the game just... It fizzled out towards the end. The Clippers kept doing their thing. The Raptors couldn't keep a top on the Montrezl Harrell Lou Williams bench. And that's that's pretty much what happened in the game. Things slowed down from there. And while it's fun to see that massive, gigantic lineup, it wasn't a real threat to bring the Raptors back in this game. I think it was just Nurse seeing, you know, different things, watching how they work, watching how different guys play together, trying to match up a couple different synergies. But overall, the Raptors, maybe in these past couple games, like I said at the start, tempering expectations, a closer look at who this team actually is, or maybe just a rough, you know, a rough patch in an excellent, excellent, excellent team's road to an Eastern Conference Finals, an NBA Finals, whatever, whatever you think it is. I spoke about this on many podcasts, but I picked the Raptors as a second round out to one of Philly or Milwaukee. If they play the Celtics, I would pick them to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. But um, that that was my take for the Raptors at the start of the year. Stretches like this make that take seem realistic 
and stretches like the huge winning streak when Lowry and Ibaka were out, knowing that Lowry and Ibaka are both very good, make it seem like maybe I was too pessimistic. So it's we're getting probably a closer idea of where the team is actually at, how they come out of this funk I think will be probably as close to the actual team as we've seen. It might not be complete world beaters, but it certainly isn't a team that loses by 20 to the Clippers and a team that loses 4 out of 5. It's it's just the way an 82-game season goes. Things waver. Players come in and out of vogue in the lineup, and through it all, I uh, I think it's still a ton of fun to watch these Raptors and to be a fan of this team. There's so many likable parts, and when they finally get things going up again, it is a very likable brand of basketball. The Reggie Evans Award goes to Marcus Gasol for all of the superlatives I gave to him earlier in this podcast. I just thought... Man, what an effort tonight. He rebounded the ball really well. He did a massive job boxing out. Pretty much nothing happened on his watch. His defensive rotations sometimes are, they seem like the best thing you've ever seen. It's never a wasted step. He passed the ball really well tonight. He added a different dimension to the Raptors offense that they desperately needed. And he was he was exceptional tonight. So it was a little bit disappointing that the rest of the team didn't show up in the same way but Marcus all man what a what a performance and a continuation of quite a few really great performances that he's strung together recently so I know some people hate that a lot of the Raptors writers seem to love him even though he scores zero points in some games but his defensive output to me is extraordinary and isn't really matched by anyone else maybe OG Ananobi and Siakam on some of their best nights but this game in particular games against Embiid man Marcus Gasol is he is crazy good defensively and so there's two quick reaction comments I'm gonna read off one is from Mike S the S is a money sign but he wrote like six paragraphs I read some of it. I think it's really great analysis. I'm going to read it at the end of the podcast, but I'm not going to do five paragraphs and then respond to it. I'm just going to let your little piece stand as its own piece. But the next one is from Oseeb High. Surge was truly awful. Also still trying to understand what McCaw actually has done to deserve an NBA contract. Good games by Norm OG and Gasol. Yeah, I I am very much, I've said on this podcast quite a few times, I am a a macaw pessimist. I don't understand why the Raptors have any confidence in him. I I know they're a great development team, but I, I still don't get it. I don't know why he would get minutes instead of any player. I don't value him above O'Shea Brissett. I don't value him above Malcolm Miller. I don't value him above Terrence Davis II, which was a consideration the Raptors were having before the start of this season. I just don't see it, and I'm not a fan. Yeah, Serge had a horrible night. He was so good before the before his injury, so let's hope he returns back. And yeah, I already spoke about Norm, OG, and Gasol. OG and Gasol, I think, definitely had great games. Norm, a bit more in the middle, just because that's the way the Clippers forced the issue. And if they didn't, I wonder what the game would look like. But he did. He did have that offensive punch, and I do agree that that's good. So if you do want to hear what Mike S. has to say, it should be... Um, Actually, it's more than five paragraphs, I think. But I'm going to read that now. I think it's... Um, I took a time to read some of it. I think it was really well-researched. I think it's probably pretty eloquent. So I'm going to read it. And uh, yeah, if you're so inclined, stay tuned. So, from Mike S. Quote, 
Okay, so I have some problems with the way Nurse is using Pascal. I know Pascal has been getting some negativity due to his passiveness, but to me, this is because he's being asked to do too much. Nurse is using him like an offensive superstar, like one of the best scorer-slash-creators in the NBA. This is a problem because Pascal isn't that player yet, and he's been tasked with just creating for himself and others without help. He's being thrown the ball and told to go to work. This is Nurse just running a bad, stagnant offense. Almost 1 in 5 Pascal possessions is an ISO. Remember the way Kawhi was used last year where many on this board complained? Like there was two different offenses, one for Kawhi and one for the rest of the team. Well for context, Pascal was isolating more than Kawhi did last year by a pretty big margin. Pascal is 5th in the NBA in isolation plays, beating out other offensive cornerstones like Kemba, Kyrie, Giannis, Kawhi, Doncic, DeMar DeRozan, and a whole bunch more. This is really unacceptable to be honest and a huge part of our problem on offense. Pascal isn't that type of player, but we're using him like he's one of the best in the world at it. DeMar DeRozan didn't even get the number of ISOs Pascal is tasked with, and that was the arrow of pound the rock and make or miss league under Casey. Let that sink in. Pascal is being used in a less deserved way than Casey used DeMar DeRozan. This next one is both good and bad. 15.4% of Pascal's possessions are post-ups, normally a great thing for Pascal, but the problem comes with the eye test. How often is this a deep post-up or set-up by getting a screen as he cuts from one side of the court to the other? The eye test says very little. My problem with the post-up is that it often comes off a broken ISO where he tries to dribble by his guy, can't, then turns his back and posts up from just inside the three-point line. The other part of his post-ups come from letting him fight for position by himself, and then a teammate just throws him the ball for a mid-range post-up. These are essentially just other versions of ISOs. Pascal does all the work to get the post up, not help, and then post up one-on-one -on -one facing a set defense. So isolation plays make up the most of Pascal's offensive possessions. On the other hand, he gets under 5% from cuts, under 4% on handoffs, and under 5% is his role man. Less than 0.5% off screens, 13.3% of his possessions come as the pick-and-roll ball handler. So basically what this means is that the Raptors don't use Pascal on their offense at all. Nurse either isos him outside the three-point line or isos him in a mid-range post-up. He's allowed to run the odd pick-and-roll if he's not playing one-on-one -on -one basketball or running the odd pick-and-roll. He's sitting around the arc waiting for a pass. This is a huge problem. Nurse has to do more to help him. He's not an offensive superstar that can be used similarly to Durant or Kobe. He's better at catching the ball going downhill, set a back screen for him, let him cut, or be a part of a handoff. Hell, get him to set some screens. Do something to be more involved in the team offense. I think this is part of the big reason we see Pascal play so passively, and just poorly, against some of the teams with better defenders. He's being asked to go against the best defenders without any help. Lots of the second tier offense players don't struggle as much game to game based on their defender because their teams do things to involve them, like get them switches. Oh, and to make it worse, Pascal also runs the fourth most in the entire NBA. Only PJ Tucker and Buddy Heald, for some reason, run more defensively. So this really doesn't make sense. Pascal is being asked to cover absurd distances defensively, while at the same time being asked to run extremely exhausting isolation and post-ups offensively. Wonder why he gets passive in the fourth? When you look at the distance he puts in defensively with the huge workload he has on offense, there probably isn't a single player in the NBA being asked to do more. After tonight, he'll be third in the NBA in minutes two. This is why Pascal is struggling lately, in my opinion. End quote. Mike S., very, very good. I agree with all that wholeheartedly. Anybody who listens to the podcast regularly will know that I have echoed all the sentiments of what you just wrote down. 
You get the full Samson Folk cosine. I think that was very well put. I've addressed most of this on the podcast. I've written part of this. And I'm glad you just put it all into one comment. To me, this is the biggest indicator of where the Raptors are going this year. And maybe this provides an optimism because the Raptors are... I don't know how many people have seen The Princess Bride, but the very famous I Am Not Left-Handed quote um, comes to mind. If the Raptors, if they're failing to use Pascal in an actually meaningful way and not giving their best player the tools to succeed on the floor, then it seems like they are playing offense left-handed or underhanded in some way, right? It just seems like they're not to the full potential which does speak to a higher potential with this team, and that does speak to optimism. But it also is very disappointing to see because Nick Nurse is championed as an innovator and a very creative coach, so to see this lack of innovation and creation, or creativity I should say, regarding Pascal Siakam and just hanging him out to dry, I agree with you completely. It was I've lamented after most of the games in which Pascal had bad games, and specifically after the Rockets won, I said they ran him way too much on defense, and it's no wonder he wasn't able to carry the load offensively down the stretch. And I was saying it's not a surprise that he's not attacking Russell Westbrook in the switches because he was running the baseline for so many closeouts and so many of the the switches on the defense. It's just insane how much work he's putting out on the floor, and I know he's in great shape. I know he's a fantastic player, but the, the Raptors put a lot on him. And to the point about creativity in the offense, I've talked about this ad nauseum with Louis Satzman when he's been on the podcast, is how are the Raptors, when are the Raptors going to start using Siakam more efficiently in the screen and roll? When are they going to start use him, using him more creatively in post-ups? I think I talked about that just in the most recently Roundtable podcast. I was complaining about how it's never a screen and a cut for Siakam to get into good post position. It's just these walk him down the court, or just show up on the the strong side of the ball, collect the ball, but it's never creative entry entry passes. It's never anything that helps him get deeper position, and deeper position is everything in the post-up. It makes you so much more dangerous. It means that you're a danger without dribbling the ball because you're in close proximity to the hoop. It makes cutting so much more dangerous. It means that the defense has to give in a little bit more and Pascal's a good passer so if you provide him with those opportunities not only will he probably be able to take a lot of shots closer to the rim which a is good but it'll be he'll become more dangerous as a passer and he's already a good passer so the Raptors yes I agree I feel like they are laboring to use him creatively even though he's one of the most unique and fantastic players in the NBA so yes the complete cosign Thank you for writing all that out. I think that's that's very good. I'm glad you wrote it. Thank you very much for listening, listener. I, I hope you have a great day. Whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day. And from me and from Mike S., goodbye. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. 
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.